pretty sure we are live. I'm Johnny. That's the Greg. And before we remotely try to introduce this awesome guy, Greg's going to let you know about our partnership with Audible. That's right. We are partnered with Audible. Uh, they've got hundreds of thousands of audiobooks, audiobooks that you can find from our guests are on that site. I believe they're all there last time I checked. If you would like to get 30 days of Audible for free on us, you can go to audibletrial.com slash J-A-T-G. Uh, and like I said, hundreds of thousands of titles, uh, maybe in the millions by now, and podcasts and educational stuff of every genre that you could ever ask for. Uh, and 30 days free on us for audibletrial.com com slash j-a-t-g with us again the return matthew riley best selling action adventure author um from the likes of this is my favorite book seven deadly wonders this is the one that i first read that got me hooked into it ice station i have a ton more i just don't feel like bringing <laughs> the whole library over here um matt thank you for joining us again so excited to talk to you how you been Matt? i've been busy I, i'm well i'm well yeah. i uh I've been very busy. Uh, I we released the one impossible labyrinth yep. late last year. I finished and delivered my movie Interceptor to Netflix last or uh, eight days ago. Delivered uh, it. Oh wow! Like you it's just done. said, here it is, guys. There, there is a point where you can't work on the movie anymore. So mm -hmm. you you have all your video done, you have all your audio done, you bolt the two of them together. Um, and then you say it's it's finished. It's finished. Uh, is that, that is that like kind of like handing off a child, or is that kind of like a we're done, we did it, okay? You know, you 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 zero in towards it. You know that delivery date is coming. Um, it's funny with a movie. If you if you had an unlimited budget and unlimited time, I think you could just tinker and tinker mm -hmm. forever. It's good to have an end date. Yeah. And I'm I'm very, very satisfied. I I didn't compromise. I have no regrets. Anything I didn't know Great. I asked for. And so Interceptor is it's the movie I wanted to make. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. So let's rewind a little bit for our viewers. <laughs> um Matt was on our show recently and I and I we put it back two weeks ago on our first uh talk with Matt and uh he he caught my attention with uh his action action adventure white knuckling fast-paced books and um Matt I believe you we you couldn't tell us that you were directing a movie or that things were setting up like that until like things were signed I'm assuming so this was your first yeah. ever attempt at directing a movie did you yes. you wrote it as well right yes okay I, wow matt you've been busy um <laughs> so walk us through that like uh how is it i'm sure it's incredibly different but what how different was it from writing a book oh it's um it's extraordinarily different yeah. um i everybody who knows me knows i've i love movies i've always wanted to make movies uh, I've had many false starts selling the books to Hollywood studios. I sold Ice Station to Paramount. It must have been 2001. And yeah, I remember reading yeah. Disney got Hover Car Racer. Um, mm -hmm. Warner Brothers have the tournament now for a television show. Um, but, you know, you still have to wait for a screenplay to be done. And so I wrote Interceptor to direct. And it's a... It's largely set in the one place, which keeps it contained. And 
the premises, the bad guys steal 16 Russian nuclear missiles and they fire them at 16 American cities and our heroine uh, is stationed at an interceptor missile facility in the middle of the Pacific and uh, she's going to have to shoot them down uh, while more bad guys are trying to kill her. So it takes about six seconds before you see blood in the movie. <laughs> um, it's a Matthew, it, it's just what you would expect. Anyone who's read the books, I Station or Seven Wonders or Great Two of China, they're going to get that in a movie. It awesome. is just bonkers fast, crazy uh, in its pace. It's got some very inventive deaths. Um, and yeah, uh, it, we kicked it off at the start of 2021. Um, and I spent the last 14 months uh, filming it, then doing hundreds of VFX shots and then delivering it. Wow. So I, uh, there's, so your, your, I guess you could say your movie star is Elsa. I'm going to, I'm going to butcher her last name. It's Elsa, Elsa Pataki. Pataki. Yes. Yes. Who, if you guys don't know her, she, uh, her fame is, um, fast fear, uh, the fast furious novel, uh, movies. Yeah. She was Vin Diesel's like, uh, the cop that was chasing Vin Diesel and she kind of fell in love with them. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So that was her claim the frame. She's also married to some guy that's some people might know him. Some people might not. I'm not sure. But um, he happens to be Thor. So yeah. she's married yeah. to Chris Hemsworth. So um, what was it like working with her? Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. She she took 10 years out of the movie business, out of acting to raise their three kids. Oh, very uh, cool. I didn't know that. She was looking for a, a female driven action movie and along came interceptor it came to her manager and he said this is exactly what she's looking for she's i mean she's gorgeous but she got linda hamilton fit oh nice! wow just got the guns going shoulders um she did fight training for months um and hard working brilliant actress i Couldn't did see one promo shot of her and it looks like i'm looking at it now uh she's doing like a, a pretty like head high roundhouse kick and yeah the form is perfect um yeah it's just like one of those she looks like an action star in that shot just really really nailed she, it. Is. she is she she's an action star yeah and it's um uh, just magnificent and yeah she she did so much of her own fighting uh, occasionally we had to bring in the uh the stunt double yeah. uh who was amazing herself Haley wright um but no uh elsa was this the things i put this poor woman through <laughs> in this movie uh she she got her hands dirty you know i would get on the set and i'd say okay you're going to be rolling around and i'd be rolling around and somersaulting and and the whole crew would be looking at me like i'm an idiot but um you know, she got into that and uh, I, I can't see anybody else in the role now. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So it was a good working relationship, which is always important. Yeah. Um, when you were choreographing fight scenes, Greg and I tend to be like, we feel like we're fight uh, action scene connoisseurs. Like we know what we like to see yeah. versus what we don't and what we don't like to see. And I hope you don't have this. I could be putting foot right in my mouth is the jason Bourne when you're up close and you're just doing this in the shaky camera and we hate that so please matt tell us it's not a shaky camera no th this is um it's not it's awesome not. 
Uh, in actual fact, this was a discussion I had with uh, Ingrid Kleinig, who was our stunt coordinator. Okay. And we specifically said we're not going to do that. We, Very cool. That what you do when, when you film a fight, you, you try to sort of, you know, paste over your mistakes by quick cutting. You shake the camera and you cut fast. What we endeavoured to do um, is we actually looked at the, the first Bourne movie more so than the second two. Yeah. And Casino Royale. Um, oh, that's a good one. With Daniel Craig, uh, which will often have the first two blows of a fight uh, before the first cut. Mm-hmm. And so you are, you are deliberately setting up the fight in the first shot uh, rather than cross-cutting. And um, basically, it all comes down to preparation. Mm-hmm. We, we had a medium-level budget, so we had to do this fast. And so we prepared and prepared, but yeah, no, we didn't want to do that. That was actually a specific conversation. And I've, you know, read, um, you know, Asian based uh, fight choreographing. They talk about the storytelling that can happen through a fight. Mm -hmm. uh, That it's not just the fight for fighting sake. Like there there's, you integrate that into the character, you integrate that into the story. And that's what I find uh, the most beautiful fight scenes come out of is when, uh, you know, the, the director, the storyteller and like the fight choreographer have that kind of communication and they really can develop that as it goes. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. And um, uh, in the key component in, in interceptor is that Elsa's characters in this, you know, reinforced command center and the bad guys need to take it. And so every fight has a goal. And the goal Mm -hmm. on some of the early fights is she has to stop them getting to the button that opens the door. Uh, And so you have a specific goal. And there I won't spoil other ones because we actually have we have fights where there are more than one goal. Uh, Mm -hmm. She has to defend something and she also has to do something. And so yeah. There's a little story within each fight. Awesome, glad to hear. It's um, it sounds like you, not that I wouldn't have any idea, not not that you wouldn't have any idea, but have you tinkered with directing before and cameras and how editing works and how like lighting and sound and all these things that I probably haven't even thought of? Have you um, tinkered with that? Have you asked? <laughs> no, I not professionally. I okay. I made short films when I was a university uh i made uh, you know a little horror film you know just with my friends and video camera and crappy sound i did make a 26 minute action film with a video camera uh with music um and even a, a very small little car chase uh which was based on an obscure michael Crichton book called binary um yeah it's 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 not very good but I am I, I am versed in you know what it takes to get a shot and and cut it all together and put music to it. Um, fortunately for me, I you know I've been tinkering at the edges of Hollywood for a while. So Stuart Beatty jumped in and he touched up a screenplay right. uh, with me. Uh, brought in some producers who had done one of his early films, Tomorrow When the War Began, uh, and then they put me in the hands of just some tremendous people and. You ask, you know, how is it different to a novel? With a novel, it's just me. Uh, with a movie, I'm with all these great creative people, and you just unleash them. And and if they love the action movies you love, 
it works pretty well. And that's what happened with, with this movie. Was that, was that difficult for you at first to go from a uh, guy that like, you know, this is all you right to yeah. now it's everybody is involved and everybody has an, is an expert in each, like, you know, with the fight choreography and, and and or the actor or actress saying yeah i don't think they would do that i think they would do this yeah uh, no no um so that that's a very good example when an actor says i don't think the character would do this uh i do know stories on sets where directors get upset with yeah. actors who do that because you're on a tight schedule you got to get it done and the actor's going this is not what the character would do right. i took the opposite tack I, I said to elsa and to each of my my leads I said, listen, I wrote the character and, and you know, and with, with Stu Beattie, we wrote the characters, but they're going to become yours. And there will come a time where you'll know the character better than I do. And you'll say to me, this is not what the character would say. This is not what they would do. And I said, I will then defer to you. And strangely enough, actors really like that when you let them. <laughs> you know. And I found they they were very surprised. They, I think there's been many a tyrant. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, you're probably going to, I mean, if this, hopefully this podcast gets out and everybody hears about what a great director you are and that you're willing to have this collaborative uh, environment because right. you're right. Absolutely. You hear about uh, directors and I'm not going to name who I've read this about, but they are, this is my story. This is the way it goes. You work for me kind of thing. Yeah. And as opposed to like, hey, we're all making an action movie here. If you're all on the same page creatively, that that can create some great stuff. Yeah, that and and you enjoy it. It actually becomes an enjoyable set. And each what of a my novel actors, idea. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, remember you're you're making a movie too. It's yeah. It's this is this is it's good. It's a fun thing that not many people get to do. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. It, your actors, I, I honestly believe, especially when you get actors who are at this level, they bring something. And, and remember, you're the person who hired them. So yeah. you did interview them beforehand and mm -hmm. you, know, you, you got a gauge of what kind of person they were. Um, and so, yeah. They, when you yeah. say they bring something to, they bring something with, like, what do you exactly, like, can you give me an example? Oh well, Elsa had certain ways she wanted to. Uh, she wanted to have a certain confidence to her character. Um, uh, Luke Bracy, who plays the villain of the movie, um, he's he's one of he's an actor who he he likes to adjust the lines to the way he speaks. Okay. And and I said to him, if there's a plot element in your line. I need you to convey that, but otherwise say whatever you want, you know, adjust the line, whoever you like. If, if you're like me and you're a fan of, of Die Hard and you have to make, make mm -hmm. a Tommy Tower there. Nice. Um, if you watch Die Hard while reading the script, John McTiernan let the actors adjust the lines mm -hmm. however they wanted. As long as they conveyed the elements of the plot, it didn't matter. And I was, a, I, I did a lot of learning listening to audio commentaries from John McTiernan's incredibly generous. Ridley Scott is incredibly generous in their commentaries. A lot of the Marvel movies have great commentaries, but McTiernan was a big believer in that. Uh, let the actors say the line, whoever they want. But if there's plot that has to be said, you've got to tell them that. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and then they they just come up with stuff that you couldn't come up with. 
And that's great. And that's where a novel is a lot of hard work by me. But in a movie, you know, you let it, you unleash them. If they go too far, then you just bring Rain them back. it back in. Yeah. And then they find out that they've gone too far. Are you, uh, your directing style, were you a little more fast paced where it's like, you know, we, we do a couple, you know, we're going to run through it and then we're going to get a couple shots and then we're moving on. Or were you more the, 10 15 takes we're gonna 100 get. takes <laughs> stanley kubrick <laughs> did you try to limit yourself or i mean was it i mean as a first-time director i'm curious like what how did you find your your pace and things like that yeah no i i i found my pace because i had 33 days of shooting <laughs> yeah i suppose so yeah you have to get it get it done i i basically had on average three takes okay uh, that's what I had. Mm -hmm. And as a general rule, uh, my actors were incredibly well prepared. Elsa and Luke, um, I could count on one hand the amount of times Elsa got a line wrong. Uh, what, what you would get is often the first take was often great. Mm -hmm. Second take, they usually nail it. And then I would say for the third take, do whatever you want. Give me something different. And then they could try something and often it worked and sometimes it didn't. And then we moved on. Mm -hmm. And what actors really like is they like it when they know if they get it, you get it and move on. They don't want you doing 15 takes and they're looking to get your approval and, and they're waiting for you to say, okay, that's good. You, you, you say this and this is what I'm after. You know, for something like Interceptor, you need the lines done, boom, 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 really fast. And get it right the first time, nail it the second time, one for the actors on the third mm -hmm. time and then move on. So it was quick. I, there were some days I had to do six pages in a day, which is a lot. Is that a lot? I was going to, I I don't, I, 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 I would think I know, but I really, I know I really don't. <laughs> so um, I, I've heard that you have a, a little book that you have with all these directive, like ideas or notes or quotes that you've, what's the best what did what's the best advice you got from from that book was the best thing you pulled from that book to apply to interceptor i it's a shame i don't have it here in my office it's upstairs um uh the best bit i had uh, is i wrote it on the front cover of okay. the little notebook uh and it says um uh cast is protected crew is respected okay but what does that mean so you you have to give your actors an absolutely safe space to create and become these characters. You can't let the crew giggle or snigger. I mean, remember when you're making an action movie, you know, you've got people holding guns going, you know, pew, 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 pew. Um, we did not use blanks. We, we did digital guns, digital muzzle flash, digital audio. Um, Safety first. You need yeah. to, you, and you need to provide a very safe environment for your actors. So you protect the cast mm -hmm. but the crew are again sometimes crews can be treated very poorly and so i say please i say thank you i i point out the crew members who are working incredibly hard and so you've got to respect the crew um you know maybe the crew aren't being paid as much as the actors uh and so you have to ensure that the crew are also respected uh and that's what I wrote on the front page. Oh, the, the, the little notebook I got, I filled it up. So I sticky taped a second notebook to it. Um, Ridley Scott, 
you know, if you cast your movie correctly, 80% of your problems disappear. I think that's absolutely true. Um, everything looks better with blowtorch sparks in front of it. <laughs> Who told you that one? No, uh, I forget where that one was. Oh, um, the the one you were talking about casting, like uh, you said, like safety for the cast and then a respect for the crew. Who who told who told you that? Or where'd you get think, that from? Do you know? I think I got that from a book called Directing Actors. Okay, I think that's where that came from. Uh, I I'm not sure. Um, oh, you read a, uh, did you read like a? Do you read a book on how to direct? actor yeah, yeah that's really cool like i don't think a lot of people would do that greg greg my partner here is the one that actually showed me that maybe you need to pick up a book to get better at something and like read it like you know i'm i'm a new dad i'm three years in so i rely on him a lot and he's like there's a great book that you should read i'm like okay i'll have to read it it's not matthew riley but i guess i'll read this it is yeah as soon as he announced to me that they were pregnant i immediately went on amazon and as a pregnancy gift sent him two two books one what to do when she's pregnant and the other one is called be prepared uh new guide for fathers it's written like the cup scout manual and it's great um that's, uh, that, that, that's um that's that's a being a good friend yeah but also something i said I, I used to say about the books as well that people tell you to learn from your mistakes but it's best to learn from other people's mistakes yeah yeah and that's right. When you're a new parent, or maybe you want to train a dog. I, I remember buying a, a a dog training book when when mm -hmm. I got a puppy. You know, 18 years ago. Um, you're you often you're not the first person to go through this, and I'm not the first person to direct actors. And so there was a buddy of mine, John Rogers, who who created the TV show Leverage and directed a oh, bunch yeah. of oh, episodes. very good show, yeah. And and he was the one who said, "Get this book, directing actors." and uh, awesome that's, that's where a lot of that wisdom came from i just i just love the the humanity or the humility john um sorry i'm john you're matt the humility that you have to wear or the humbleness that you're like i don't know any of this i'm just i'm going to read a book get some more knowledge move forward with it i think that's great because I, I don't think a lot of people do that unless i'm wrong and actually, a lot of people do that actually i gotta tell you that I, I i got i got a couple of books i got a couple of books uh that i went um, i live here in west hollywood in, in okay. l.a Yep. And there used to be this sort of movie bookstore over in Burbank. I don't know if it's still there. And I went there and I was looking for books on directing and I found this book and it was called something like, you know, first time director. And I remember taking it to the counter and the dude behind the counter, you know, looking really too cool for school and probably writing his screenplay on the computer he had up there. <laughs> he looks at the book, looks at me. And then just does this careless, mm, okay. And I give him my credit card, and it was the most condescending shrug I've ever seen. Oh wow! And I, I hope my movie just goes massive, and I can, <laughs> yeah. I can do Julia Roberts in Pre Woman and go back to that store. Back to say, that place hey, dude, I got first time director, and that book was good. <laughs> and here's my Oscar to prove it. There you go. That's well, it. And it, I was going to talk about. Um, what I've heard about, you know, just being a director and especially being a first time director, the, the idea of, you know, like you said, you had a 30 day, uh, or 33, I think you said 33, day, 33 day shooting schedule. So yeah. you had your crew, uh, or like your shooting crew and your actors for 33 days and then they go home and yeah. here you are with like, when, when was this shot versus mm -hmm. like, when are we going to see it? You, you live this for much longer. I mean, this is, like I said, your child for a long time. 
Um, and that's something people forget about with directors is like, it's, mm -hmm. it's not a 30 day project for them. It's oftentimes a two year plus project for them. That's exactly right. Uh, we finished shooting on May 15 last year. Now it's March 22. Yeah. So it was, there was nine more months. Um, we, we did get a, we, we extended it by about three months. So it probably would have been another six months, but mm -hmm. obviously with, with nuclear missiles and interceptor missiles, I've got a fair bit of visual effects, computer graphics, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was always going to take six months, but, um, I don't think I'm giving anything away saying this. Um, obviously Netflix tested the movie, uh, an early cut of the movie and, and it, and it tested really, really well. Yes, awesome. And, Good. And, and so they they gave us a lot more latitude and a little more time um, because when you when your movie at an early cut tests well, and they they goes out to you know several hundred ordinary Americans over a weekend, mm -hmm. they can watch well, it. I didn't get it, Matthew. I'm a little upset. They don't know I'm no. one of your fans. No, you. you <laughs> That's you don't want to you don't want to see that one, Johnny. Okay, it, okay. You can see all the ropes and cables and the, the temporary visual effects. You want to see the final one. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but and with you, all of that, they loved it, huh? They did. They did. The That's awesome. Were great. And so Netflix were like, okay, you know, take your time, get it right. Uh, and so, so yeah, you you do this helter skelter shoot, and then there's still nine months, and I'm on it every day. So overall, where yeah, we're, we're looking, hopefully, yeah, it, it's a good 14 to 18 month commitment for mm -hmm. the director. But yeah, sometimes 30 days for some people, sometimes, you know, four months for others. We've mentioned Netflix here a couple of times. I'm still amazed that, you know, in my lifetime, I've seen the rise of just a massive Hollywood movie company now that mm. started as, you know, you know, DVDs delivering yeah DVDs by mail yeah. to now, you know, controlling. I mean, a ton of content that's coming out in, in entertainment. Mm -hmm. And that's, that to me is like, wow, we've, we've come so far. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to have landed at Netflix because the studio system or where the studio system was and is going mm -hmm. is old franchises. And I had a painful moment at a movie cinema a few months ago where I looked at the posters and the posters were Ghostbusters, Top Gun, mm -hmm. um, yeah, previously Star Wars and Matrix. Eight, Matrix. That was Matrix. It was yep. 80s and 90s franchises. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Netflix, to their eternal credit, are making original movies. Yeah, they mm -hmm. are. They're not sequels. They're not 80s uh, reboots. Uh, which if you're at Disney, you know, they want you to do Marvel or Star Wars. And if, mm -hmm. if Marvel gave me a call, hey, I'd be the first one to do it. <laughs> Who would you do? What would you do? What would you do? Oh, oh uh, there's a character I like, which I'm not going to tell you. Oh, oh. Okay, can you tell us offline? Can you tell us offline? Maybe. <laughs> okay. Maybe. All right. All right. All right. Maybe when, when this is over. Okay. Um, okay. Um, but yeah, if you're at Disney, they want Star Wars, Marvel. Yep. If you're at Paramount, you know, spongebob and you know top gun now and mm -hmm. um it, it's and, and again to see you know sony go back to ghostbusters again mm -hmm. um at least netflix i want to tell new original stories yeah. i'd love to attack if this one flies attack some of the books 
ice station, um, especially ice station. Um, and Netflix is the place to do that. And yeah, I, they've literally come along at the right time for me. I, I love it. That's awesome. You know, we, we've talked about that, how there's just not a, a, enough original IPs out there right now in the land of film. And, and I mean, you mentioned Ghostbusters twice. One, I, I absolutely love what Reitman did, uh, with, but it's still, it is a bit of a rehash. I mean, going into that, I mean, and you knew, I mean, luckily we knew that going in, but even the Marvel stuff, you know, it's their cast of characters. It's their, you know, you know, thousands of characters they have. It's pick one, write a good story about it. Yeah. It's all pre-existing. Like, you know, like my kids can still go on the internet, search. Yeah, I think Morbius is the next uh, movie coming mm -hmm. out from Marvel. They can get the entire history of Morbius. And then there's not, there's not that discovery piece left in, in like getting to know a character and, and having that kind of fun with it, um, which is yeah. unfortunate. But you're right, Netflix... To a point, Hulu. I mean, they've got some uh, some some in, uh, new stuff out there that's pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to any new action property that comes out. I'm like, oh, all right, what are we doing? Well, yeah. you guys are you guys are probably like me, you know, children of the '80s, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the '80s is, you know, there are many things wrong with the '80s, but <laughs> the '80s were a movie wise, what yeah. a period. Oh my gosh! Original movies, yeah, from yeah. from from the start of the eighties of Raiders of the Lost Ark and Blade Runner, moving through Back to the Future and Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, mm. even the original Predator, yep. uh, yeah, getting into Total Recall, right. um, in the early nineties. These were original movies, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. and, yeah, and, and that's why it was such. I mean. Maybe it was because suddenly there was money to make these movies. Aliens, don't get me wrong. Don't yeah. forget aliens. Yeah. Well, coming from the original Ridley Scott movie. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think Netflix is a place where we can do that again. Yeah. Um, hope so because I, I yeah, you're right. Like the Matrix, the the new one that came out, and this is just my personal opinion, Matt. You do not have to give yours. I I thought it was just a nostalgia. They just tried to throw nostalgia at you, and that's all that was to it. And it wasn't, there was no depth, there was no continuation. There was like, yeah. oh, okay, you're just throwing I it. I, I feel like they were, they failed that with the last three Star Wars movies. It was just a nostalgia throw. You and know? I feel like, as we're all like children of the 80s and we're yes. all movie fans and whatnot, we have this, uh, this tendency of for like self deception where we're watching a new star Wars film, or we're watching the new matrix film and, and God, please leave back to the future alone. But, um, but if that were to come out and we were to go see it, it's like through the whole movie, we're like, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I, I'm liking it. I'm liking it. And to the point where it's like 48 hours later, people ask, what'd you think of the movie? And you're like, um, it was, it was, it was okay. No, I like, I liked it. I think. And then you come to the realization later. You're like, nah, I really didn't like it. That was Matt. What he just explained was me for two years after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. That was two yeah. years of me going, no, no, it was good. It was, it was, it was really good. You know, and it just, it wasn't the first three. It just wasn't. I, I had, I had it where I am. Um, I went and saw The Last Jedi on uh, opening night okay. at a Chinese theater here in LA. And, oh, cool. And the, the crowd obviously wanted to love it and yes. they they whooped and they cheered and 
the group of people I was with when we walked out, they were going, wow, that was unreal. And I, I looked at him and I said, that was awful. <laughs> am, I, am I the only one who thinks this was garbage? And, and, and slowly over the next two years, yep. as the yep. world realised this was all those people who went, with, oh, yeah, it wasn't very good. Yeah. And I still remember they, they drank the Kool-Aid. They, they, they didn't drink yep. the Kool-Aid. They wanted it. And yeah, yeah, you God, do. wanted it so bad. The heart wants it. that we just. Yeah. 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 And it, it, that, the heart wants it. And the, that last Jedi, I mean, gosh, oh, I, yeah. I'm a big, I love going to YouTube and watching these, you know, YouTube. Uh, yes video essays on movies and the ones on last jedi are hilarious oh yes they're yeah. fantastic you're right hey uh, did you I, ever see the one where they took they extended the scene from obi-wan kenobi fighting uh darth vader in a new hope at the death star somebody greg you you sent this to are me. you talking about yeah the uh it's a i think it's a fight choreography group yes. they reshot it yeah with, with do, doing more of that kinetic Jedi, oh, wow. Jedi fight style that yeah. we that we got in the uh, episodes one, two, and three, and they would intercut, uh, you know, the original footage with their new footage, and it looked phenomenal. Oh, it's fantastic, Matt! I will send it, it to you through an email. Oh, yeah. It's it's I it was like awesome. It. Yeah. Well, and you're talking about like when people on YouTube get a hold of this stuff. I love seeing what like either amateur editors or you know sometimes I think they're professional editors they like recut things together and the scene in the last jedi where ray and palpatine are like force battling it out and then they they changed the music cues to the original score and then they put in the force ghosts of all the jedi that came before and so you see alec guinness and yoda and luke and um uh, I think Anakin. Windu is in there, Anakin. and yeah, young Anakin. I mean, you you just have this this host of Jedi's past, and their Force ghosts are like standing with her. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it because it was such a powerful thing. I'm like, now why didn't they do that? Why why didn't they? You know, yeah. they had they had all the rights to all their likenesses. They could have done that. Mm, yeah. Um, so things like that, and and yeah, that's what we're like. Well, the movie was crap, but there's some creative people out there that do amazing things with it, and yeah. we are totally off track. Yeah, we <laughs> went off track. So I love it. I love it. This is this is this is the world we're in now. Yeah. And, you know, you could you can take this as well to the success of the Mandalorian and what the Mandalorian did so cleverly. Mm -hmm. You know, a baby Yoda is a piece of storytelling brilliance. Mm -hmm. What is the most valuable thing in the Star Wars universe? Baby Yoda. baby Yoda's species. That was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. What is Bob? What is the book of Boba Fett missing? A baby Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> something so they to put it back about. in there. <laughs> yeah. Something we <laughs> cared about. Yeah. The, 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 the book of Boba Fett doesn't have anything to care about. Yeah. And you're right. It's like they realized that at about episode five and they said, quick, quick, get yeah. Mandalorian <laughs> and baby Yoda. Right. We're going to bring right. a Mandalorian in to save the series. So yeah. the people, did you like the book of Boba Fett? Yeah. I liked the whole thing. No, you didn't. You liked yeah. two episodes of it. And <laughs> yeah, that's what you liked. And the rest of the time you went, what do we do? We still joke about that chase scene. And, oh yeah and it just baffles me because i mean that was directed by robert rodriguez who yeah. has done some amazing film work he's a very life. good director we had darren hafford break that down to me viciously yeah. break that down to me <laughs> yeah. and you're just going what happened with that 10 mile an hour chase scene yeah, <laughs> yeah. i agree yeah 
back to your movie, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I the uh, I had a. It seems you enjoyed the the process, and do you find yourself? Do you like? Can you not wait for another opportunity to direct a movie? Are we going this route? Like, am I not going to read any more books, Matt? I just want to know. Uh, no, no, I I will be doing more books. I'm, okay, I'm halfway through a new book actually. Awesome. Uh, actually, I've got a um, I've got a secret book coming out uh, later this year. I, really, um, it's coming out in in Australia. Uh, I haven't got a US publisher for it yet. Uh, but then I haven't tried. Uh, Macmillan in Australia, uh, really fabulous. My, my Australian publisher, Pam Macmillan, they just, you know, they indulge me, you know, these strange new things I do like Hover Car Racer or Troll Mountain or right. even the tournament. And I wrote a superhero story. Yes. And I was going to ask and, you that. And it is, it's, it's a little violent. Um, and we're going to release it later this year. It's a short novel but it packs a punch. Um, and so, yeah, I, I enjoyed the, what, what I enjoy about the movie and, and now having had it finished, I got, it's nice to show it to people now. I mean, I spent 18 months, yeah. you know, on a 90 minute piece of entertainment and I want to show it to people because I know it's just 90 minutes of slam bang, you know, slam the audience against the wall and just show them a good time. So I, it's like the books. I enjoy giving that joy to people. Mm -hmm. um, it's just incredibly intensive. So yeah, you can't be sort of writing a novel while you're making a film. You have to do yeah. one and then you have to do the other. I, I guess that would be a good step away from making novels for a while, make a movie. Then yeah. when I'm burnt out from movies, I can go and make a novel. So I guess that's kind of a nice balance you get. You still get to be very creative. So um, I think that summarizes it very well. That, that's it's exactly right. You burn yourself out making a movie. You recover by writing a novel. Yeah. <laughs> remember my remember my idol. My idol. You know, it's on the wall there. Jurassic Park. Michael Crichton. Mm -hmm. He was the guy who got me writing books. But he wrote novels. He wrote and directed the Great Train Robbery. Mm -hmm. The original Westworld movie. Yep. Um, TV show ER. He wrote the pilot for that. Uh, and obviously he, he adapted some of his own books into movies. So Michael Crichton was my, my role model and mm -hmm. you know, get to write books and make movies. To me, that's just telling stories, living the dream. Yeah. Do you have anything lined up for uh, a next movie or? I I've got three scripts ready. Wow. Great. Is it your scripts or somebody gave you a script? Cause they liked no, your work. They're mine. They're I, yours. I, awesome. I, when you make a movie and this happened with interceptor, you have to have all the answers when when your set builder comes to you and says what's this look like when your costume designer says what's this person wearing when i write it myself i have all the answers i'm not sure i could direct somebody else's script okay and so yeah so i i've written i've written a sequel to interceptor and i've got two other films which the scripts are ready to go so let i have guess. to wait, have to wait for interceptor to come out and then maybe they'll let me do it again let me get, or maybe, is there one where it's two middle-aged guys that have a podcast end up having to save the world? Is it yeah. something like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> now, I, I'll tell you one of them. Um, one of them is a, a feature script I did adapting my short story, Altitude Rush. And I Altitude, Altitude Rush. I think it's on my website. It's matchyrider.com because oh, okay. I... Over the years, especially in the 2000s, I got to experiment in short stories. 
And so I did the mine, which was an experiment in, you know, Indiana Jones type. I love the mine. I read that. And the mine I downloaded it from there. Kindle. Yeah. Yeah. That, and uh, there's Roger Ascom short stories for free. Uh, Altitude Rush was something I did for a, um, it was for a charity book. And it's about two thieves who have to get from one side of New York City to the other, but they're not allowed to touch the ground. So they have to go from rooftop to rooftop. And they're being chased by Navy helicopters and SEALs who want to kill them because the thing they've stolen is this, you know, earth-shattering piece of evidence. And so they, they, they swing from cranes, they run across hammerhead cranes. There's one scene where they jump on the roofs of buses because they're not allowed to go below 10 feet or above 1,000 feet. ultimate floor is lava game. Yeah, it yeah. It's, um, that's cool. I didn't think about I did that. a full script of that. So that's, that's one which... Um, I'm ready to go on. So all I heard, Greg, was two guys. That sounds like you and me. It does, but yes. I would still want uh, Dwayne Johnson to play me. Just <laughs> I'll take Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> it's okay. They work together now on Netflix, so I'm sure yeah. they're, they're contracted yeah. for so many movies. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> when you were working with um, uh, Elsa, I had this little theory in my head that I kind of talked you into that way because I wanted Chris to be Jack West. Is there any, did you slide something his way and like, Hey, Chris, why don't you, uh, cause I know he executive produced. So were yeah. you like, Hey man, uh, you know, if you're bored, you just, you just put your head on this, you know, you know, anything like that. He, he's, um, you know, uh, Chris has read, uh, I station. Do you like it? Uh, and his parents, uh, have read my books. So yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I got to uh, I got to after we finished our filming, I went and saw him on the set of Thor. So oh, got to talk to ta Ty. How you say his name, Greg? I, I met Taika Waititi. Taiko, yeah. So he was, uh, as you can imagine, uh, very very busy at the time. But yes. Chris, Chris is dynamite, and Chris was incredibly supportive of Interceptor. Um, I did not sort of uh, try to push any of the books on him. Uh, at this stage, I think uh, it might be something I have to get to know him a bit better. Uh, yeah. I, again, I, he, he, here's the reality of the movie that I've, I've just made this movie with Elsa and it's been fantastic. And so I hope that, that Chris would think that you know, his wife has taken a long period out of the movie business. She's jumped into this movie as the lead. Who's the guy directing it? You know, is he going to make sure it's good? Is he going to make his wife look good? Yeah. And that was part of my goal. Part of my goal was, and I said this to Elsa, I said, I'm, I'm never going to make you look silly. I'm going to make you look good. Um, it's a Matthew Riley story, so it's bonkers, crazy and action packed. Yeah, but it'll all we'll always play it with a straight bat, and so I hope that you know, Chris is um I haven't he's shooting Extraction two right now in, yeah. in Europe somewhere, so I haven't spoken to him for a few months, but um I'll, I'll be talking to him I imagine in the next few weeks, and cool. I, I really hope he goes. Hey man, thank you for uh you know making sure my wife's big comeback was good. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Did and then did I'll you know then I'll say you should do Ice Station with me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Do you get to do the big, uh, like the Hollywood premiere? I mean, are you go, you guys go into a, you know, the Chinese theater or anything like that for a premiere? Or where's how's that work out on a Netflix film? Yeah. Or are you gonna yeah. sneak into a theater somewhere just to see a reaction? <laughs> yeah. I, I have to. I don't quite know what Netflix do for that. 
I, I have been told sometimes they do hold a, a red carpet um, at a cinema somewhere in LA. Um, there has been talk about the movie getting a theatrical release in Australia. Um, I'm hoping it'll come out mid-year. I haven't got an exact date yet. Okay. Um, but obviously having delivered it, you'd think Netflix would be uh, pretty keen to get it out. But mm -hmm. I, I can't confirm a, a release date. But yeah, I, you know, you hope they at least have a party somewhere to yeah, of course. something out yes. for you. Yes, of course. You worked hard. Hey, I, I want to go back to that. You delivered it to him. Is it like a briefcase? What is it? Like a like a mainframe? Yeah. I have a hard time it, picturing yeah, this in my uh, head. Or is it like a thumb drive here? <laughs> yeah, it's um the the size of the file, the audio file was like 160 gigabytes. <laughs> just the audio. Um so what, what you do is you, you you end up with um you end up with three video versions of the movie and huh. three audio versions. And right. there's the high definition video with the Dolby Atmos sound. There's the standard definition, which is what most people will watch on their televisions with the 5.1 surround sound. Mm -hmm. So if you've got your sound bar and then you've got a uh, you've got a theatrical version, but you've also got stereo sound for those people who watch it on their laptop computer or just a basic TV. So mm -hmm. what you end up doing is you end up with three different files and you send the three files to Netflix and you say, there's your movie. Wow. That's it. Then it's That's, delivered, and you are you change it. Are you the allowed? To, is like, hey, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> are you allowed to have any say on the trailer? Uh, they they have sent me a couple of cuts of the trailer already, and it's awesome. Is uh, it? And they and they were very open to suggestions, and um, you know, you sort of like I did with going right back to the start. I let the actors act. I let the stunt people do their stunts. Mm -hmm they got a trailer company to do a trailer and they did a really good job they captured the mood and the tone of interceptor um so i only had a couple of very cosmetic suggestions where they they used one shot i said oh you may want to use another shot which is similar that was yeah. it um no that's sometimes it's best to get out of people's way but yeah i yeah. i was surprised they actually sought my input in the trailer very cool yeah, which you is have, very nice of them. They don't have to do that, but that's a great way to be artist friendly. They don't have to do that. I thought they would have to talk to the director. No, no, especially not when you're a first time director. God no. Yeah, I guess so. I I just thought, do you, do you is a guy in there going in a world? Is he one of those guys? Uh, <laughs> in in our trailer, they don't do that, but. We have, they use the voices of the characters in the movie. That, that'll work. That'll work. That's and there is a character with a deep voice like that. <laughs> now the bad guy, the bad guy was also in Hacksaw Ridge. He was the, like the hero that was giving uh, the yeah. lead character a hard time. He ended up dying yeah. on the hill. Spoiler alert for anybody that yeah. hasn't seen Hacksaw Ridge, Luke but Bracey. that was him, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He, um, he's an Australian actor. He's, he's going to be in the Elvis movie. Uh, oh, cool. Um, he was in a Netflix romantic comedy called Holiday, um, which is like a Christmas movie. And apparently every Christmas it does incredibly well. Um, he, he's absolutely fantastic. Brilliant actor. And let's be honest, I'm thrilled that not only was he brilliant, but not all actors want to be villains. It really? Be, yeah. It, it, they don't want to be typecast. You may... Uh, Diehard fans that we all are, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. The guy who played Dick Thornburg, the smarmy reporter in yep. Die Hard. Yes. People would spit on him on the street. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, he had a he had a he pretty good act- run of yeah, he's pretty good run of guys. Yeah, Ghostbusters too. Uh, the first Ghostbusters. Yeah. And so be careful when you play a villain because some people think you're actually that person. Oh, so, I would think I would I I don't know. I would just think playing, I guess if you don't want to get typecasted, that's that's understandable. But I would think you I would think it'd be fun to be a villain. You get to not hold yourself to the hero's code. You can do whatever you want. I would think that'd be more freedom with that. Yeah. And and you know, I God love him. He threw himself into it and he is legitimately scary. And, cool. and 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 he believes it. I, I was a I'm a big believer that your villain has to believe that they're doing something, you know, positive. They 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 are the hero of their own story. Yep. Yeah. Whether you're Hans Gruber, Darth Vader, Hannibal Lecter, you are or, or James or, Gunn, you know, you the Riddler in the new Bat uh the Batman. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's he believed really, yeah. what he was doing was good. A villain has to be a believer. Yeah. in whatever they're trying to do and and luke really conveyed that in interceptor and and i think he's genuinely frightening villain which is what you're after awesome so you don't have an exact date when interceptor comes out nothing of nothing you can give us or our fan or your fans or our people listening listeners yeah yeah i that's... i think i could safely say mid-year mid-year cool yeah. all right so we're talking summer blockbuster summer time action netflix film very cool matthew um we're gonna let you greg you got nothing do you have anything you want (laughs) to oh i i think i could go for hours here but uh maybe not on air so um, we can we can do it again after the movie comes out oh that would be fantastic we could do a spoilers version that would be oh you could be like talk about it when no one's seen it oh yes yes i would love to do that i'm gonna hold you to it sir um but we're gonna let you go to your i you know what what you got to do after this um greg you got anything you want to and i already this is deja vu i've already done this sorry um matt uh absolute pleasure i gotta say it's so hilarious matthew because johnny is such a fan of yours that even now he's just starstruck and like tripping over his own words like he's never talked to celebrities before um which is hilarious because he gets this way around very few people so I laugh every time. I'm going to listen to this and just giggle at him the whole time while he's tripping over his words. I think but. everybody is. I got, I got, a, I got a couple of minutes. Um, obviously, I, we talked quite a while back, but obviously, the one Impossible Labyrinth came out. Yes. Yeah. You, you, you read that one? No, I'm on the. Um, here's the problem, Matt. Okay, I don't like the big books. I like these guys, right? Because I can actually oh, put it in my okay. pocket and I can walk oh, around with it, okay. right? I, and so I'm waiting for that. That hasn't come out yet. I'm was listening to an audio version and I didn't do it through audible. Sorry, folks. I did it through YouTube and they cut the channel on me. And so the last thing I know, um, Jack just ruined his shot at the fall. And I was like, no, no. Like I, I searched all YouTube again. Like you gotta get, like, I don't know what's going on anymore. So I'm in the middle of two, uh, the two lost mountains. I'm in the middle of it. And now I have to actually, instead of, I'm going to have to go on audible to get to that. It's, it's going to be a while till labyrinth comes out in the little paperback, but Oh, really? Dude, dude, I'll have to, I'll send you hardback, mate. 
jump in. It's good. <laughs> all right. All right. Big, you know what? You know what? Finish, I will. I'm I'll, very I'll, satisfied with that. That's okay, a very cool. satisfying finish. So I was going to ask you with that real quick. So Jack West, are there any more Jack West adventures or is that it? Or you can't tell me because there's going to be a spoiler if you tell me. Uh, no, it's um, the story concludes. Okay. In, so no more Jack. No, the story concludes. Okay. I've, all right. I set out to do a story uh, which encapsulated all the strange ancient places in the world. Yeah. And I've literally run out. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yes. Well, I'm like, sure. Definitely stick to your guns on that. Cause I was thinking yeah. about that actually today when I was kind of like, you know, thinking through the show here. Um, part of the thing that we're seeing, like we're, we brought up some of those reboots and, and things like that are people like, well, there's still some more story to tell. It's like, no, dude, you're, you killed off the main character or, or whatever it is. It's like, yeah. it's done. Just let it lie. Let, leave us with our good memories, good fond memories of it. We don't need to revisit. And good point. As, as an author, you. like you're looking at that and like, nope, I told him a story. I'm done. I think that's great. The, the last 10 pages of One Impossible Labyrinth are incredibly satisfying to me. Awesome. And awesome. especially the last page. I can't, uh, I can't, I can't wait to say read. What, what I do, but okay. when you read those pages, you'll go, okay, you know, right. I'm, I'm satisfied. Very and cool. I, I will definitely sorry. send you an email, letting you know how I, how I, uh, how I, how I, how I, how I liked it. Definitely. Um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to let you go do your thing, Matt. Um, I do. so for, uh, Greg, you have, no, we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All right. So everybody in mid summer, we're guessing, uh, Matthew Riley's Interceptor, first ever directorial debut. It's going to be there. Elsa Pataki. Did I get Pataki. that right? Good. I don't want Chris Pataki. coming after me. So good. Pataki or her. I, you know, she looks like yeah, I was going to say, I, you don't want any of this. Yeah. So I can see it. Yeah. For the Greg, this is Johnny saying again, Matthew, thank you. Podcast out, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Take care. Thanks, guys. Be good. Bye.